Good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 415 of our three-year journey through God's Word, and it brings us to 2 Samuel chapter 3. And uh, we're going to see the dark side of Joab, commander of David's army. Uh, It's a very troubling chapter to see what Joab does and what David allows him to get away with. Uh, We need to keep in mind as we're reading this that Joab, commander of David's army, is also the nephew to David, and so he's a family member. And uh, in the clan structure and tribal structure of uh, ancient societies, very difficult situation for David to properly deal with Joab. doesn't necessarily excuse uh, his tolerance of Joab, who would do many wicked things throughout his life of service to David. Uh, And today we'll just see one of them. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we dig into this chapter together in 2 Samuel 3. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and for the truth of it. Thank you for what you teach us day by day. Thank you that we can gather and we can study your word and we can be challenged and we can grow. But Father, we don't just want this to be a mental exercise of learning more about the Bible. We want to know you and we want to walk in closer fellowship with you. We want to know more of Christ and we want to live for Christ more in our lives. So we pray that you would write your word on our hearts by your Holy Spirit and that you would lead us in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. First Samuel, or Second Samuel rather, chapter 3. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. And sons were born to David at Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam of Jezreel, and his second, Kiliab of Abigail, the wife, the widow of Nabal of Carmel, and the third, Absalom, the son of Maacah, the daughter of Talmaj, uh, king of Geshur, and the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, and the fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth, Ithream of Eglah, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head of Judah? To this day I keep showing steadfast love to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not given you into the hand of David. And yet today you you charge me with a fault concerning a woman? God do so to Abner and more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. And Ishbosheth could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, To whom does the land belong? 
Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring over all Israel to you. And he said, Good, I will make a covenant with you, but one thing I require of you, that is, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come see my face. Then David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife Michael, for whom I paid the bride price of a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband Paltiel, the son of Laish. But her husband went with her, weeping all the way to Bahurim. Then Abner said to him, Go return. And he returned. And Abner conferred with the elders of Israel, saying, For some time past you have been seeking David as king over you. Now then bring it about, for the Lord has promised David, saying, By the hand of my servant David I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. Abner also spoke to Benjamin. And then Abner went to tell David at Hebron all that Israel and the whole house of Benjamin thought good to do. When Abner came with twenty men to David at Hebron, David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. And Abner said to David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Just then the servants of David arrived with Joab from a raid, bringing much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David at Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army that was with him came, it was told Joab, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he has let him go, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away so that he is gone? You know that Abner the son of Ner came to deceive you, and to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you are doing? When Joab came out from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern of Sirah. But David did not know about it. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the midst of the gate to speak with him privately, and there he struck him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. Afterward, when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house. And may the house of Joab never be without one who has a discharge or who is leprous or who holds a spindle or who falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai his brother killed Abner because he had put their brother Asahel to death in the battle at Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And King David followed the bier. They buried Abner at Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept, and the king lamented for Abner, saying, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered. As one falls before the wicked, 
you have fallen. And all the people wept again over him. Then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was yet day. But David swore, saying, God, do so to me and more also, if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as everything that the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's will to put to death Abner the son of Ner. And the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I was gentle today, though anointed king. These men, the sons of Zeruiah, are more severe than I. The Lord repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. That's Second Samuel chapter 3. The Bible is a very realistic and honest book. The Bible tells the truth. It shows us the truth of the character of the people and the history that happened. It is very accurate. When you read a lot of ancient histories of ancient peoples and kings, a lot of what you read will, will gloss over the flaws of the king or the shortcomings of the heroes, and it will sort of spin everything in a positive direction to sort of make the heroes and the champions and the kings of that people look as good as possible. But God's word is true, and God is very realistic in how he depicts what actually happened. And here we have a messy chapter in the history of God's people. Abner, the son of Ner, was wrong to be supporting Ishbosheth. He should not have maintained his loyalty to the house of Saul because he knew that God's word had promised the kingdom to David and to his offspring. And so, the last chapter, when I mentioned that, you might have thought, well, maybe Abner didn't really know. But Abner knew. Abner knew that God had given the kingdom to David. And um, we see it in verse 9. God do so to Abner and more also, if I do not accomplish for Abner what the Lord has sworn to him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. That's exactly what God had already promised to David, and Abner knew it. So he was wrong to be supporting Ishbosheth. It's also wrong the reason why he decided to turn his back on Ishbosheth and go to David. It was an argument over a woman, a woman who had been the concubine of Saul, and then Ishbosheth accuses Abner of going into his father's concubine, and he basically just flies off the handle and has a temper outrage and decides to uh, go over to David's side. So Abner was wrong to be supporting Ishbosheth. The reason why he stopped supporting Ishbosheth and went over to David was wrong, even though he knew the word of the Lord. It wasn't really like deep conviction about the word of the Lord that caused him to go over. Then David makes this demand of Abner that you're not going to see me unless you bring Michael with you. Now, Michael had been David's first wife back when he was still in Saul's service. Michael was a daughter of Saul, and he had won her hand in marriage by killing actually 200 Philistines. 
And so it was wrong for Saul to take David's wife away from him and give her to someone else. But now she is with someone else and she has a different husband. And David demands that he be given back to her. And this is just, oh, unfortunately, this is the view of women in the ancient world. Uh, women were sort of passed around between men almost as a prize of war or as a trophy uh, of position. You know, David would have a more elevated social status if he had as his wife the daughter of the former king. And it would show that he was now stronger than Ishbosheth if he could uh, get Michael back to be with him. Uh, I do think my, that David, you know, had feelings for Michael. Uh, they were married first and, you know, she helped him escape from Saul when Saul came to, to get him and, you know, send his men after him. So there is some positive history there, but just, it's just an ugly scene here. And then you find out Abner even knows more about what the Lord says about David. And that is that by the hand of David, God is going to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from all their enemies. So Abner even knew, not only did he know that God had promised the kingdom to David, but Abner also knew that God had promised that it was going to be through David that he would bring deliverance to his people from the Philistines and from all their enemies. And you have to just wonder, like, so why for all these years, the couple of years of this civil war that's been going on, why has he been supporting Ishbosheth if he knew it went directly against the word of God? Abner was a man of war, a man of politics, a man of tribal alliances, and not a man who was tender to the word of God and obedient to the word of God. Well, he comes and he meets with David and he makes peace and he says that he's going to turn over all of Israel to David. But then as he's leaving and going back home, Joab arrives. Joab finds out what's happening Remember that Abner had killed Asahel, Joab's younger brother, uh, in that battle earlier at Gibeon where Asahel was chasing down Abner and Abner warned him several times to turn aside and go chase after somebody else and finally Abner killed Asahel. Asahel, you know, ran into his own death by taking on someone who was more powerful than he was, uh, but Joab can't let that go. In Joab's mind, this is the man who killed his brother, even though it was in battle and it was, you know, perfectly fair and, and just. This is irrelevant to Joab. He just wants revenge. And so Joab kills Abner. Joab and his brother Abishai kill Abner. And then David is, is stuck in this dilemma. What does he do? Does he openly oppose Joab? Does he openly condemn him? Does he remove him from his position as commander of the army? Well, that's not an easy thing to do. You see, the king really needed the commander of the army. What if Joab then led a rebellion against David and got a lot of the army with him? What if Joab and his brother Abishai conspired together to kill David just as they conspired together to kill Abner? Plus, Joab's family. Joab and Abishai are the nephews of the king. Uh, David's sister is married to their father, and so they're the nephews of of the king. So what is he going to do? What he decides to do is very openly and very publicly lament. And he actually requires Joab to openly and publicly lament the death of Abner and to make it very clear that in his mind, Abner 
was a hero and a valiant man and a prince and someone who did not deserve to die in this way. Now, this must have been very humiliating for Joab to have to put on sackcloth and, and to mourn for the guy that he had actually murdered. But what it demonstrated to everybody was that David did not want this to happen. This was not ordered by David. This was not some way that David tricked Abner. And so it's David trying to rescue some dignity and shred of honor from a very uh, despicable situation. What, what do we do with a chapter like this? As believers living in America in 2023, following Jesus in a New Testament age, what, what do we do? You ever come to chapters like this and you just think, what does this have to do with my life? What does this have to do with the life that God calls me to live? Well, there's a couple of things that we can draw from this chapter that we ought to take. One is, the word of God stands. His promises are kept. All this politics, all this ugliness, all this sin, the one thing it never has the power to undo or overthrow is the word that God has spoken about David and his kingship. God's word stands. So we live in a crazy world where there's lots of sin. Sometimes we're guilty of sin. Sometimes we're being sinned against. Sometimes we deal with a world of hard political realities and, and things that are just ugly in the world around us. But we can have confidence that God's word will stand. And frankly, I also think a chapter like this can remind us that we should never compromise or be complacent or too comfortable at home in this fallen world. Because when you enter into politics and political alliances and you cut corners ethically to try to get your way and you get your hands dirty, sling in the mud of, of political, uh, you know, warfare, so to speak, it, it just ends up a mess. And that's really what happens here. Abner, you know, chooses loyalty to his guy over the word of God and and then David chooses loyalty to Joab over seeing that justice is done. And so for us, it ought to cause in us a distaste for and a dissatisfaction with this fallen world. And we ought to lament that we live in a world where things like this happen. And we ought to long for the coming of Jesus because he is the king who does not compromise. He is the king who never sinned. He is the king who is faithful unto death. He is the king who is coming again to rescue us from this fallen world. And so what we can say is we can acknowledge, yes, this is the world we live in. This is the reality of life in, under the curse of the fall. But we belong to a better kingdom, even a heavenly one. And we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is making us more and more into his image and who will transform our bodies when he comes again for us forever. So we can long for that day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for the truth of it. Thank you for the gospel and the hope of it. Thank you for the power of your word that never fails. Thank you for the salvation of your son that triumphs over all evil. Keep us in Christ. Keep us hoping and waiting for that day when we will see him face to face. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 2 Samuel 3. Tomorrow we're going to cruise right on into chapter 4. So I hope you can join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.